time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, January 25th, 2021. Thank you for joining us today or whenever you are listening to our podcast. We greatly appreciate the support. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. There was uh, some great football games on Sunday. Uh, A couple of really good ones that uh, featured the final four teams of the NFL. And uh, we are now down to two as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be the first team in NFL history to host the Super Bowl on their home field. Uh, You know, they're not, well, I think they will be the home team. The NFC is the home team this year. So they will be the official home team and the unofficial home team. There have been many times uh, before, I don't know about many, uh, a few times in the NFL before where teams have played Super Bowls like in their backyard. Uh, I think it was the 70s where the Rams played uh, Pittsburgh at the Rose Bowl. Uh, the 49ers have played a game or two up up in uh, like Palo Alto, I think, when they were doing games at Stanford. Uh, I have to check the official uh, <laughs> official uh, stats on all that. But the Tampa Bay Bucks and Tom Brady, they do it one more time, or he does it one more time. They they do it for the second time in their in their uh, their history, going to the Super Bowl uh, with a big win in Lambeau Field over the Packers. There will be plenty to talk about about that game, and we'll get to that. Uh, a little bit later into the show, uh, as well as breaking down the AFC Championship game where the defending champion, Kansas City Chiefs, will be returning to the Super Bowl to defend their title with a, uh, a beatdown of the Buffalo Bills uh, in their th- uh, the the Chiefs' third consecutive AFC Championship. They will be going uh, to face Tom Brady, who uh, they faced a couple years ago in the AFC Championship game. And... Uh, yeah, pr- pretty pretty great storylines. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid. I mean, a- everyone on that team. A- a- just incredible stuff on, on Sunday, Sunday night in that game. And, and I'm going to get to all that here soon. We're going to cover, uh, break down each game individually. What I saw, what I liked. Uh, all, all of those, uh, all, all, all the breakdown. All the, we'll go through it all. And uh, we'll also talk about the Conor McGregor fight from Saturday night. Uh, which was pretty su- surprising, but uh, made a lot made a lot of headlines uh, Saturday night and the weekend. Uh, so we're going to get to all that. And uh, just so you guys are aware, today it is just me again. No Sam. We we actually watched football games together yesterday on Sunday, and we were going to record. We talked about it. And we you know it was good. We were going to make it happen, and then he's like, ah, I got to get home because it was pretty late. He he gets up early to to work uh, his regular job. And said, okay, we'll get home and then uh, I'll just do a Zoom call with you or something. And so we were going to do that. And then just things uh, didn't quite work out. I don't know. You know, th- sometimes we had some cleaning up to do at the house. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do an episode on Monday. So I do apologize for those early risers who try to listen to these episodes at 5 a.m. when I usually post them. But you're getting a, a pretty instant recording from me today. It's about uh, 6.45 a.m., and I'll have this out here in the next hour or so. So you guys are listening in real time almost, almost anyway. Uh, 
So no Sam today, just me breaking down the games, but we will get in a regular schedule, regular routine with Sam, try to record Sunday, I don't know, mornings maybe, just so we get it out of the way and we can have our day still. Uh, it's a little more difficult, as I've told you guys, to record when uh, work schedules don't quite add up. But I do have some good news about today. Uh, as soon as I'm done with this recording, I'm going to pack up my gear and I'm going to head over to Bill Barnes's home and record an episode with him for our Wednesday episode. So it will be the first time Bill and I have recorded in person in quite some time. Uh, Zoom calls are convenient. They're they're nice. The audio comes in pretty good and everything. But, you know, there's something to be said about uh, recording in person. It, it's a lot better situation. So anyway, that's kind of a, uh, some information you guys don't need to hear. But, uh, you know, I said it anyway. So anyway, it's still early for me. I got my cup of coffee here as my only friend and uh, and you guys, of course, to, to chat with. So plenty of topics regarding both NFL games today as well as a, a, a quick breakdown of the McGregor fight since it was uh, rather short. Uh, but something that kind of popped into my head over the weekend was uh, leadership. And for those of you who've played sports, for those of you who've been in high school, which is all of you, I think, um, for those of you that have been to college, that have worked jobs, you know there's various levels of leadership. And I know that for me... Um, I tried to be a leader when I was playing sports and I know over time, sometimes I overdid it, you know, overstepped <laughs> my, my boundary. I, I said things I shouldn't have. I, I came across negatively and that was kind of a trial by error situation. And you're a teenager too. So you're learning, like you don't know anything. You think, you know, things you don't know anything. So anyway, my, my thought process about leadership over the weekend was, you know, some people are really good in small groups, but not big groups, not large groups, right? Uh, we just had a new president sworn in. That's a leader of a very large group of the country. There's also leaders of um, congressional districts, leaders of states, leaders of cities, right? There's a, it, it just, it, it gets smaller and smaller. There's, there's all kinds of different levels of leadership. And, and the way for me to kind of think it over was, <clears throat> excuse me, that I think some people can relate to is like, okay, for those that played sports, like being a team captain, you're the leader of a small group, maybe 10 guys on a basketball team, maybe, you know, 40 guys on a football team. You're a leader of a small group and you're not the only one. You're not the only team captain. There's a couple of you, right? So you guys are the leaders of a small group. Um, so I got to do that as a, as a high schooler. I was also the, the school president one uh, semester trimester, whatever we did in the semester. Yeah. Anyway, uh, one term, I was a one term president, much like, uh, uh, the, the most recent one to depart the office. But anyway, uh, I was a school president and that's, that's the leader of a large group. And I felt my strength was much better. I felt I did better and I was more comfortable in the leader of a small group. I was much more comfortable and I, and I felt effective being the leader of a team. When I was the leader of the school, uh, I didn't fare so well. Maybe some people, oh, Matt, you were fine. You were great. But I didn't feel that way. It, it was always intimidating speaking to a large group of people, especially people you didn't know as well as, say, your teammates. You couldn't be as loose. You couldn't uh, quite get out things you wanted to say or, or whatever. Now, some people on the flip side 
are really good at leadership of large groups, but they don't fare so well in small groups because there's like a different kind of pressure. It's a more intimate, you, you got to depend individually on people. So I could see people, the type of person who's maybe better as a school president, but not as good as say a team captain of a sport. And, and I think there's a, there's a lot of that. Uh, if you look like in our society, it's interesting, like take, take your job, for instance, there's some people, your manager, uh, maybe they're good at managing a couple of people, but not in managing a section of the company, right. Or something like that. Uh, uh, police work. I might ask Bill Barnes this question later. Hey, are some guys, you know, some guys are, are good at managing, you know, be, being the leader of a crew, but maybe not when they get the higher ups or, or, you know, when guys become uh, captains or lieutenants, or I don't know all the rankings, but, uh, a lot of, a lot of guys, what's funny is like, think of it this way. This is, this is kind of why I thought about it because a lot of cops I know will talk about leadership at the top and how, oh, that guy, he was a terrible cop, right? He was a terrible, bad partner, yet he's in this big leadership position. So it's really interesting when you break it down that way that a lot of people that do reach positions of power, not all, not all, hear me out here. I'm talking about more on a local level, guys, not, not, not big levels, but uh, in, in, in specifically, I'm talking about like fields of work, like jobs or uh, heck, heck, I'll say it, officiating, <laughs> officiating some people, not all, uh, maybe weren't great officials, but they were able to excel. <laughs> What's the progress? forward. I had that conversation kind of with Vic Winnick a little bit on, on, um, on Monday or Friday or Friday conversation. And, um, it's just interesting to me. It's very interesting when you think about leadership, because that's something that I constantly think about, you know, being, being the leader in your relationship, being the leader, you know, with your family leader at your job, but maybe you're good at, again, being the leader of a small group, but not a big group. And so, I think you need people who can do both, but it is interesting to me that some people are uh, really good at leading small groups, but not big groups. I'd love to talk to some military personnel about this. I would really like to talk to someone who has uh, been in the field, been a field, you know, field commander, whatever, um, leading uh, patrols, uh, platoons, and then maybe someone who is you know, achieved being a general or a, a colonel or something. It'd be fun to talk to like uh, uh, Bill Lee, uh, the Marine who was uh, on this show many months ago uh, to have this type of conversation with him. I think it, uh, I think it would be somewhat interesting. Anyway, that's just something I was thinking about over the weekend is, is leaderships of, of small groups and leaderships versus large groups. I think what we are each built for, for different roles. We, we are. I mean, we're built to be a leader. And some people are not meant to be leaders. Some people are really good at just being foot soldiers, being the guys that they show up every day and uh, do what they got to do. Uh, but I do think one of the things Rio Hondo Prep did a great job of was training all of its students uh, that they were going to be leaders in some form after high school uh, in their life, whether it be, uh, again, as a as a parent, as a husband or, or a wife, as a, 
someone, any, any line of work that you go into, at some point, you're probably going to be a type of leader put in charge of something at least. Hey, you're, I mean, at FedEx, I was uh, two months in, I was, I was, Hey, go train this person. I was like, train this person. I just learned how to do this myself. And they were like, well, that's kind of where we're ha- we want you to do it. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. So um, I think Rohando Prep did a great job of, of whether people liked it or not, <laughs> learning to lead, learning to lead and to be leaders, because at some point we're all going to have to uh, do it in some form. And I think some of us are built uh, more for leadership of small groups versus large groups, and some of us better for large groups versus small groups. Okay, that was my random thought that I uh, you know, wanted to and chat about um this happened uh over the was it over the weekend uh hank aaron passed away 86 years old um i still consider him the all-time home run leader um that guy who played for the team up uh, up in the bay area up in northern california i don't really recognize but that's just me that's just me um you know i i don't understand how somebody gets better gets stronger at like, you know, from 35 to when at their, their late thirties than they did when they were in say their prime. I don't quite understand how that worked. Uh, but you know, accusations, uh, whatever asterisk, what, you know, steroids. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Barry Bonds, I think was his name where he, uh, surpassed Hank Aaron, uh, in home run numbers, but I still recognize Hank Aaron as the official leader of the, uh, the home run record, because I think he was a quite a classy individual. I wish I knew more about him. I know he went through a great deal of adversity as a young man, uh, coming up, uh, growing up in the South and then playing in the, uh, playing in the big leagues, uh, tremendous mountains and hurdles that he had to climb. And just a true gentleman. It seemed like every time I heard someone talk about Hank Aaron, it seemed like, uh, man, just, uh, just a, uh, a gentleman, a professional, um, I, that that's a crazy stat, you know, with 700 plus home runs, they said, someone said, if you take away every single one of his home runs, just say he hit none of those, that he still would have 3000 hits. That's unbelievable to me. That, that is so crazy. Oh my goodness. Just, just unbelievable. And of course, uh, you know, he, Henry Aaron hits the, record-breaking home run off the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, that's just very, very fitting. Al Al Downing gave up that uh, very famous uh, long ball, but uh, Henry Aaron, Hammer and Hank, um, passed away, gone far too too young, but, you know, 86 86 years old, pretty pretty great life, uh, and a true professional. Uh, Again, I wish I knew more about him, but some of the stories I've heard about him in recent uh, days has been uh, truly remarkable, and he was all one of the things uh, when when Barry Bonds uh, did uh, you know illegally uh, get the home run record. Uh, it was Hank Aaron who immediately had a, a, a video message for him on the on the uh, jumbotron, uh, congratulating Barry. I thought that was just incredibly uh, so much class, just dig dignity class. I mean, you can't say enough about him. Uh, just just awesome stuff. And um, you know what? Definitely a legend, definitely one of the greatest baseball players of all time. And I feel like baseball, this has been a weird time. Like we've lost a lot of baseball people, 
baseball players, uh, managers, you know, Tommy Lasorda recently, uh, a lot of Hall of Fame baseball players. I don't know what it is about baseball that right now, but uh, there's been some other athletes who've passed away, you know, in other sports, but uh, Kevin Green in football, but it just seems overwhelmingly it's been baseball. Uh, it's been, it's been kind of sad. So, but we're not going to be too sad. We're going to celebrate Hank Aaron. And uh, you know what? C- congratulations, sir, on not only a, a great baseball run, but uh, to be one of the, at being one of the uh, most sacred figures, I think, in our society. And somebody that that I think uh, we all could learn from, uh, you know, if we examined his life and his career and, and all that. So rest in peace, uh, Hammer and Hank Aaron. Let's see here. What else uh, was uh, what happened over the weekend uh, that we can chat about? Um, I want to save a few of these items for Bill Barnes. And, and I think you guys are kind of seeing uh, how the shows are starting to uh, sync up, right? It's mostly sports on Mondays. I'll say a few things about sports with Bill usually on Wednesdays, but it's generally current events, topics, uh, things that get us riled up. Uh, so, so that's uh, always, always interesting. Um, let's see. Okay. Okay. Again, back to some pet peeves. Well, first of all, some good news. So the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl was announced. We'll have 22,000 fans at Tampa in Tampa Bay. I think that is wonderful. That's excellent. I was hoping for a full stadium uh, there in Florida, but hey, we'll take it. 22,000 fans in attendance. Apparently, 7,500 of them will be um, healthcare workers who are vaccinated. So I think that's awesome. I mean, any any sense of normal would be awesome. <laughs> any chance we can get to that. Uh, and now that Biden is president, it does seem more and more governments are magically uh, saying, hey, we can do normal things now, like they were waiting for some reason. But I'll get to that with Bill. Uh, anyway, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, pretty cool to see that, that we're going to have fans in attendance for the Super Bowl. Um, if you remember last year, guys, I mean, the Super Bowl, first week of February, that was the you know the week prior, Kobe Bryant had passed away. And the Super Bowl was a great game, the Chiefs and 49ers. And it was kind of shortly after that where things just took a turn for us. I know things officially shut down in March, but for me last year, it was a Super Bowl. And then, okay, I did a few baseball weekends right away. And then boom, the day sports died. Was it March 14th or something? I'm oh, sorry. I don't have the date in front of me, but um, everything got shut down and, and our country started to shut down uh, from the coronavirus and everything. So it was kind of the Super Bowl that was like the last normal event last year. And here we are coming full circle in two weeks. We will be uh, having that game played in Tampa. And there'll be fans, a a significant amount of fans. Because I think in other stadiums, um, I know the Chiefs and I know uh, the Green Bay this weekend, they had fans there. And it was a pretty good amount, it seemed like. But I think it still was way less than 20,000, maybe closer to 10,000. So, uh, some great news there for the Super Bowl. Uh, I saw this. I had lunch with my friend Todd Carson the other day, and uh, he was in town. Great seeing him. Some great conversations, as always. Never enough time with my good friend Todd. And we were standing there waiting for a, a place to open up to eat, and this, it was a funny sight. <laughs> it was really funny. I turned around. I said, I told Todd, I said, turn around. That, that about sums up uh, our year. And it was this guy who's standing outside. He's wearing a mask. And he had pulled it off like it was hanging off his ear. And he's smoking. 
and I don't know why I found it so funny, but it's a dude wearing a mask smoking. Like I better put this on for safety, for health. Right. While I, while I put this, uh, after I put this nicotine into my body, this, this, this smoke and everything, I forgot to tell Sam about that. Uh, man, well, I, I thought he would have found that pretty funny. That's probably why I wrote it down. A smoker wearing a mask. Pretty hilarious. Uh, maybe you guys didn't think it was funny, but, but I sure did. So anyway, uh, <laughs> that was like, that was a good time hanging out with my good friend, Todd. Okay. Here, um, there, there's a lot to talk about and I want to save the second segment for, for football, but first let's get to the McGregor fight. So Saturday night I, I worked all day and I raced home and I mean raced home and got home just in time to see the co-main event right before the Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor fight. And I was pretty amped up. Anytime Conor McGregor fights, love him or hate him, I think it's must-see television. Um, you know, for those of you that aren't into UFC, I, I think you would benefit from from watching guys like McGregor fight. And there's plenty. Of, there's a there's a list that I've learned, kind of, or developed myself of people I like seeing that I will drop everything that I'm doing to tr- to try to watch. And McGregor's one of those guys. Um, he makes a really good. Really good whiskey, by the way, uh, a, 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 an Irish whiskey, of course, uh, being from Ireland. Uh, proper 12, really good. So anyway, uh, couldn't wait to see Conor McGregor fight because we hadn't seen him fight in a long time. And he's already proclaimed, you know, he had proclaimed before, oh, I'm retiring. He came out of retirement uh, multiple times. He's um, He has said he wants to fight, you know, seven times in the next 18 months or something like that. Uh, so... I think he was kind of at the starting to make a comeback, right? He, he fought Khabib, got beat up, you know, and, and uh, submitted by, by Khabib, um, Khabib Nemiroff. Uh, I can never say his last name. That's probably why I don't. Uh, but anyway, uh, McGregor in 2014 had knocked out Dustin Poirier. And I think the second round or maybe no, it was the first round, first round, I believe, and just dominated him. So to see them fight again, Obviously had some built-in storylines. This time, McGregor wasn't uh, in a position for a title, right? It was It's Poirier who, at the lightweight division, was the number two, uh, two, number two challenger as far as the division goes. And there's the number one challenger and the champion. McGregor was somewhere at ranked five or something. I'm not sure. But he came in, and it was funny. When we sat down to watch the fight, Valerie goes, McGregor's coming out first? He never comes out first. And I was like, yeah, he's not ranked higher than this guy. And it's true. You know, the, the champion or the, uh, the higher ranked guy typically comes out second. The, uh, the challenger, we'll say, comes out first. And so that was odd. That was very odd. And, and there were fans there in, in Dubai at Fight Island, which I thought was awesome. Made the arena feel more electric. And I was like, okay, hey, normal, normal. I like this. Very cool. So uh, McGregor takes the octagon. And I don't know, he looked a little different. I don't know how he looked different. If it, maybe it was his hair. I don't know what it was. His haircut, his his weight, I don't know. But he did look a little different. Maybe the beard was shorter. Who knows? And then Poirier comes in, and he looked ready to rock and roll. I try not to put too much into how guys walk into a ring or an octagon, but sometimes it kind of, you just automatically do that. You start thinking about, Oh man. Okay. Let's, how do they look right? That first impression. Well, the fight starts and McGregor's ready to go. 
uh, Herb Dean, the, the referee, could you know the best in the business, Herb Dean, uh, almost had to hold McGregor back. McGregor was just itching to go. He hadn't fought in so long. So they get into it, and the first round, I thought McGregor won. I thought McGregor won the round. Poirier did a good job of getting McGregor to the ground because that's not a strength of Conor McGregor. He's much better at, at being upright and, and kicking from a distance and striking. But Poirier gets him to the ground. I'm going, okay, here we go. This could be trouble. But McGregor gets out of it, and he looked pretty good in getting out of it. He managed to uh, work his way out of it and and get uh, back upright. And then we saw when they kind of clenched up again, we saw those those shoulder strikes that McGregor had thrown uh, against his uh, against Cowboy Cerrone, you know, months back. And I'm thinking, okay, McGregor's seen a little adversity here. Um, he answered the bell. He answered the call. And I was impressed with a few strikes that Poirier took in the first round that he didn't go down. He took some pretty good strikes. Couple, got chin checked a couple times, but managed to, to keep his feet and stay in the fight. A pretty good round, pretty balanced, but I did think McGregor won that first round. So round two starts, and I'm thinking, man, this could go, this could go any direction right now. I thought, I thought Poirier was going to get, um, I thought he was going to get kind of beaten down, worn down, I should say. I mean, not beaten down, but just get worn out by McGregor striking and uh, maybe not go down for a knockout or a knockdown, but would just get worn out. But the exact opposite happened. It started off kind of, you know, trading trading uh, punches or whatever. And then when Poirier put McGregor in a situation where McGregor was taking shots and didn't get his hands up, I, I was like, oh, it's over. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. He, he's because Connor didn't get his hands up and he wasn't swinging. And he was kind of like slowly backpedaling or like stand. I'm like, what is he doing? He's hurt bad. Because and and Poirier, God bless him, he just he he smelled blood in the water and he just pounced, and he he delivered repeated punches, boom boom boom, closed in, moved his feet toward Connor and then landed the big one that dropped him to the ground. Um, I thought Herb Dean did a great job in not jumping on Connor right away to close to end the fight. I thought. Uh, someone like Conor McGregor, even though it was a pretty hard shot he took that uh, put him on his back, there was this chance maybe he was going to pop up or do something. Uh, but when Poirier got on top of McGregor again, and, and at that point, McGregor was just out. There have been so many, uh, maybe not you know knocked out cold or anything, but he was just, he was done. Hit the ground, look, you know, kind of curled up a little bit even. And you could see the frustration on his face after everything cleared. He was laying there breathing heavy going, what just happened? How did I let that happen? Mad at himself, disappointed as any fighter who loses. And uh, Poirier, big celebration um, for the uh, the knockout. You know, Harp Dean waving it off saying we're done. Uh, just a great knockout for Poirier. A great way to start 2021 uh, with the pay-per-view card surprising i mean the reactions were amazing from everybody everyone you know the tweeting and this all the celebrities and the the sports world saying what did we just see and then a lot of people of course 
have to do the memes and things where, you know, they show Connor laying there, uh, laying there <laughs> just curled up and they got cartoon type stuff around him. And, uh, you know, I'm not such a fan of that, but they are funny. Um, so I, I hope Connor comes back. One thing I'm seeing from him is, is, and I think this happens in defeat is he is becoming a little bit more humble. He is that loud guy in the room when he wins though, you know, he's, he's always tr- talking trash or something. That's what a lot of fighters do, but I'm seeing a, a rather humble side to McGregor recently that could all change, but in some of his losses, you know, he seems a lot more gracious in defeat. And uh, I saw that on Saturday night, some of the, uh, the post post fight uh, comments, um, him walking out of the arena and talking to, to uh, Poirier and telling him, Hey, you know, you, you showed a lot of courage stepping into the octagon with a man who knocked you out last time. And it was a nice handshake. He said, we'll do it again. So uh, hopefully we do see the trilogy between these two guys. Uh, one guy knocked one out of the first round. The other guy knocked the other one out in the second round. And, uh, you know, Conor McGregor says he's going to fight a lot more, you know, and, and obviously that's good for all of us. It's good for him and his pocket pocketbook uh, bank account, I should say. But uh, I, I hope we do see him and, and I hope he's not done. And by done, I mean like finished. I hope he still has some good fights in him. I hope he doesn't just fight guys that, you know, no, no, but no names. I hope he does fight some uh, big names and kind of finishes out his career uh, in style. I really hope it's not a Chuck Liddell situation where Chuck was, you know, the, the king of the world and then kind of just hung around a little too long. So uh, McGregor, always fun to watch fight. I hope we get to see more of him. Uh, I, I think uh, we well, we definitely will see more of him. And, and I hope there's some some more entertaining Saturday nights in the UFC like we saw uh, this Saturday night with UFC 257. Well, guys, I'm going to take a quick breather, grab some more coffee, of course, and then we'll jump into our final segment where we will talk all about the NFL playoff games. We'll first break down the NFC championship between the Bucks and Packers and then dive into the AFC title game between the Chiefs and the Bills. Well, the best Sunday of the year, in my opinion, is Championship Sunday. AFC and NFC championship football games on Sunday, uh, January 24th this year. Uh, It was quite the afternoon and uh, early evening for football fans. And it was somewhat sombering because uh, as the, as the day started, I sat down, I started with coffee and I, uh, I ended with something else, but uh, as the day started, I'm sitting there going, man, there's only three games left after today. There'll only be one. This is sad. I know Valerie's happy, but anyway, I told that to my brother and he's like, why are you doing that? Because I started count down the quarters too of the day. I was like, oh, only seven more quarters today. Only three more quarters, and he was like, stop doing that. So anyway, uh, the storylines from the the two title games. We'll start first with the NFC. That was the game uh, played first on Sunday between uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, the the Packers are the number one seed. Uh, home field advantage throughout the playoffs. They beat my Rams last week. My Rams had also beaten the the Buccaneers earlier in the season, so a little bittersweet there. But uh, anyway, the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers went into Lambeau Field and uh, beat the Green Bay Packers. I will say convincingly, even though – I mean, it was. don't get me wrong. It was a one-possession game. 
But the way the Packers, excuse me, the Buccaneers started the game, the way they came out swinging, really, uh, a couple of big plays from Brady, great passes. Um, the, the way that game started, I think people all over the country had to be like, uh-oh, uh, Tom came to play today. And it wasn't just him. The, the Bucks played really well as a team. But they also had some drop passes, some balls that were ended up being, uh, you know, tipped, became interceptions. Brady was under pressure a little bit and and kind of threw a, a few deep there in the second half, just uh, giving his receiver a chance because uh, he was under pressure, kind of one-on-one situations that turned into interceptions. So he did have three interceptions in the game. But the way the game started uh, for the Bucks. Just really impressive. I got to hand it to Bruce Arians, uh, Byron Lefkowitz, their offensive coordinator, with with some of the the play designs they had. And, of course, Tom Brady running the show. Uh, The the first touchdown pass that Brady threw, uh, just tremendous touch. And there was a play earlier, I think, in that drive, kind of like a wheel up the left sideline, with just a a little floater, right? Little, Little touch, little touch pass. Look like uh, Matt Hersma throwing to, to, to Doc Bray uh, back in the day. I'm just saying, nice little nice little touch pass there. Uh, but the first touchdown right over the defender's head, uh, reaching arms, you know, diving for it. And I'm going, okay, Tampa Bay, they got on the board. They're ready to go. Of course, the Packers were going to do their thing and, and come back, uh, with it, especially with Aaron Rodgers. He played pretty well for the most part. Did have a, an interception there right before half that, that uh, really hurt <laughs> them because uh, then they, they ended up uh, giving up a score, which we will now talk about. I think the two biggest plays from this game, uh, one at the end of the first half and one at the end of the second half. And the, the, the play I want to discuss is, first of all, the fourth, it was fourth and three with about 13 seconds left. And the Buccaneers first sent out the punting unit. And they were too far for a field goal. I think they were inside the, the Green Bay 50. Um, and in that situation, you definitely punt. But I turned to Sam. I said, you know, there's 13 seconds left. So if you run a play here, it's going to eat up at least half that time. And then Green Bay, I don't think, had any timeouts. I don't think they had any. Maybe they I don't think they had any, but I was saying that doesn't leave Green Bay any time to get a field goal off really, because if they run a play, it's got to be really quick and they need to get some yards to be able to kick a field goal. And I know it's Aaron Rodgers and he's the king of the Hail Marys, but uh, you know what? I think they should run a play and they had called timeout and, or they had stents. I said all this as the punt teams out there. And so sure enough, they call timeout. I said, do you understand my logic? If they don't get it, which if they maybe they do get three yards and they can steal three points here. And so sure enough, Bruce Arians sends the team out there. They get the first down and then they line up, I think with eight seconds left, they put time back on and I'm thinking, okay, they're just going to try to get five yards here, five yards, maybe 10 uh, and make the field goal easier. Well, I thought the play design again, by the coaching staff and, and maybe Brady audible, I don't know. I thought the play design was spectacular. I thought the defense was atrocious. The, the Green Bay uh, defensive back, he he was treating it. I, I I looked, I guess, like cover three, meaning three three uh, three people deep, three no one behind you. He started to run with the receiver, and there was also you know the thought of hey, don't let him get out of bounds, right? So I thought, I can't remember who caught the pass. I think it was Mike Evans. Maybe it was. Uh, Anyway, 
I, I can't remember who caught it, but it was almost as if the defender was like sitting, waiting for the, the opportunity to uh, not jump the route, but that the receiver, receiver Godwin, I think it was, was going to break off to catch an out pattern. And it looked to me like there was an option there, like basically, hey, run. If he gives you space, break it off for the for the uh, sideline, and we'll, we'll get a catch and get out of bounds and kick a field goal. But as the play is developing, I think you could see the receiver said, "I'm I'm even with this guy." And if and if you know what's the thing, if if we're even, I'm leaving. Like basically, I'm gonna I'm by you, I'm going. And I think him and Brady saw that, and just you know he kept running. I don't know if that's how it all broke down uh, or if it was just a, hey, let's run three verticals here or whatever. But in that situation, you're thinking they're, they're going to get a pass to get out of bounds. So that's what sparks my interest there. And maybe that it was supposed to be maybe an option type of route where, hey, I can break it off to the sideline or I can just run by this guy. And, and the defensive back of the Packers, I mean, shame on him whether – let's say he, he did think he had help. Okay, let's say he he thought there was they were in a different coverage. Uh, shame on him and and the team for not knowing the coverage. If it, if it was a busted coverage, it looked to me like he was supposed to to keep the guy deep and just maybe got a little too worried about the sideline. And by the time he realized the receiver was even with him, it was too late. So uh, <laughs> I was just in shock, like oh, this is a great play by Brady, but I'm thinking more. This is terrible. From this is terrible. For the uh, for the Packers, how do you let that happen? I was like, I turned to Sam. I go, is this the New York Jets playing the uh, the Raiders? I mean, that was terrible. I I could not I could not believe that when I saw that, and um, just just crazy, man. That <laughs> that went down that way. I was like, you can't let someone behind you like that. Are you out of your mind? Just bad football. I hate bad football. There, there's two things I cannot understand for the life of me. First of all, letting a guy run behind you when in a situation like that where you just you can't let it happen, whether it's Usain Bolt or not. Give him, give him, give him some space. Don't let a guy behind you. Let him catch in front of you, whatever. But do not let a guy behind you. And the other thing is when this whole lack of uh, of containment we see in the league. I know guys are fast, but I, I should be able to keep Lamar Jackson from running around me, around my outside shoulder. If I sit on his outside shoulder and I just say, I'm not going to be forced inside. I'm not going to. Anyway, that's a whole nother subject that I'll, that I'll get to someday. I don't understand. I see it all the time. Like guys attacking the inside shoulder and people run around him or whatever. I'm like, how does that happen in the NFL? So anyway, uh, Tom Brady, big touchdown pass there. Um, to uh who was that let's see fourth and four first and ten scotty miller scotty miller with the catch from uh from tom brady with one second remaining before the half and i think when that happened and that that gave the the bucks let's see here that gave the bucks a 28 to 10 lead going into half when that happened you're like okay it's brady's day it's the buccaneers day and packer fans had to just be throwing their remotes at the television at that point. Uh, I knew that the pack would, would stage a comeback, but you know, it was just too little too late. So that was the end of the first half. Now let's talk about the end of the second half. Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Packers is getting a lot of grief for this. I, I got to tell you, it, it's a tough situation that he was in. 
okay, we're at the end of the game. Green Bay's down eight. They're down one possession. All right. You got Aaron Rodgers, uh, who's great at improvising and making plays. You're down eight points, and you get inside the red zone. You get in a goal-to-go situation. I think it ended up being uh, first and goal from the eight, eight-yard line. They go incomplete pass. They go another incomplete pass. On third down, Rodgers starts to scramble. Looks like maybe he had a lane to run to the right there and get in the end zone. Uh, Another incomplete pass. So the situation is now uh, roughly two minutes and 10 seconds, we'll say. uh, Fourth and goal from the eight-yard line, down by eight points. Uh, I thought it was telling – well, first of all, they decided to kick the field goal. They said – we're going to kick the field goal. And I I I was okay with it. I really really was because in the second half the Packers defense had played very well. They had held the Bucks to 3 points. 3. Tom Brady had been picked off 3 different times as well. And and in that situation, it started first and goal from the 8. Packers didn't get a yard in 3 plays. So if I'm the floor to now think we're going to get eight yards in one play on the most important play when the end zone is guard, you know, I, I understand him kicking the field goal there with the knowledge that he had all three timeouts that they also had the opportunity to kick the ball off well before the two minute warning. And as long as the return didn't go under two minutes, on the clock, that's another timeout they had. So four opportunities to stop the clock against the Buccaneers. And some people are saying, well, you gave the ball back to the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, but in that situation, the Buccaneers are not going to be throwing the ball. They're going to be running the ball. So, yeah, they might throw it. But they wanted, they wanted to make the, the Packers burn their timeouts as well. So... It's a it's a run all the way situation there. So some people saying, how could you do that? I, I'm not saying it was uh, the right or the wrong decision, but it was a decision that had to be made. And LaFleur said, kick the field goal. They got it to within five. They then kicked the ball deep. And I thought, uh, again, next level kind of thinking, thinking outside the box. I thought the Buccaneers made a mistake here on the kickoff. The, the kickoff was at with 205 left. And I told Sam, I said, they need to return this. If it goes in the end zone, they got to bring it out. They need to burn time so that the clock goes under two minutes so that Green Bay doesn't get a free timeout after first down, right? Say it ended up being a touchback. So 2.05 on the clock. Now you run a play, clock automatically stops at two minutes with a two-minute warning. And that's a free timeout, right? When Green Bay is trying to burn their timeouts to get the ball back, force a, force a three and out and punt. I said, they have to return this ball. Ideally, if you're Green Bay, you want the ball in the back of the end zone, but the weather's bad. There haven't been many touchbacks all day. So Tampa Bay, uh, the kick is short, so they're going to get a return. He starts to run, and then he does. He like slides. He like takes a knee, gives himself up. And Bruce Arians probably to- told him, hey, we don't want any risk of a fumble, uh, go down, whatever. But the problem was that there was still like 202 on the clock. So I don't know if they took into account, hey, when you we want a, we want a return that's going to last at least five seconds. 
the kid caught the ball, the player, I should say, got the ball and ran a, a few steps and went down. So I understand the logic of being safe, but I thought in that situation you needed to run the ball, uh, return the ball to get, get to get under two minutes. So I don't know if you guys follow that or not, because after a change of possession, after kickoff, the clock stops anyway. Then in the NFL with a two-minute warning, the clock automatically stops at the two-minute warning. So I thought the Packers caught a break there. The fact that Tampa Bay kind of returned the ball, but but still left over two minutes on the clock. So after the first play from uh, Tampa Bay, they, they they run the ball for nine yards. And to me, it's not on the floor for his decision-making. It's on the Packer defense when the, the Buccaneers hadn't, did not rush for 100 yards on Saturday, uh, Sunday. They, they rushed for, let's see here, 76 yards. And, and in that situation, when you know they're going to run, they have to run. And the first play, you give up nine yards. Oh, excuse me. No, I, I, I stand corrected. I, I know. Okay. There was a lot of uh, in game things here in this game. Uh, I turned to Sam and I said, I think it was, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I do apologize. The first play, again, because the clock was going to stop at two minutes. I, I turned to Sam and I said, okay, if you're Tampa here, you do not run the ball. You throw the ball. You may even try to, because the clock's going to stop regardless. There's no risk at, um, there's no risk at an incomplete pass or whatever, because the clock's going to stop for the two minute warning. So there was a lot of things happening here. So that's right. The, the, the Buccaneers did have a, a pass play called. They threw it to Mike Evans. It was a nine yard completion. And then the two-minute warning hit. And I said, sure enough, I knew I knew they would throw it. Uh, that's right. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I missed that. I forgot that. So anyway, two-minute warning. Second and one on uh, two-minute warning, and the Packers have three timeouts. So they come out, and what do they do? What do they do? Another weird in-game situation. They take a, a an on-purpose offside. They, they, they go offside. They kill the play uh, to give – the Buccaneers a first down because with the clock stop, they want, they want three downs. They, they, they want three downs to give up 10 yards or, you know, not give up 10 yards versus giving Tampa Bay that extra play basically. Okay. That you can get a yard. And it, it was just keeping their timeouts. It was really interesting. If you guys were watching this at the end of the game. So they take, they take the, uh, the on purpose offside call to make it first and 10. And now they're like, okay, we got a three plays to, stop Brady and the Bucks. And what was interesting is they said it on the broadcast was I believe the Buccaneers could have declined the penalty. That would have been interesting. <laughs> also, nope, we're declining the offside that would give us a first down because we like second and one better than first and 10 in this situation. I don't know if you guys are following, but there was all I was loving it. I was like this is great. This is you don't see this stuff in fantasy football, right? This is the in-game strategy, clock management. This is why coaches work 20 hours a day staying up and thinking of these things. And I'm just going, man, this is, this is really cool. So anyway, they, they go offside. Uh, let's see. Uh, eligible. What, what happened there? Then there was a, another run. Um, the, then there was the, the Packers. No, the, excuse me, the Packers. Oh, sorry. I'm all over the place. Okay. It was second and one. Uh, then, then it ended up just running the ball, running the clock out. Um, the Packers, excuse me, I've been sorry. There's too many bays out there, Packers and Bucks. Uh, <laughs> then on third down, the, the play of the game, 
with the uh, the pass interference call um, when on third down, third and four, the Bucks are trying to uh, get one first down. And uh, at first, I didn't love the call. The referees had really let the receivers and defensive backs play all day. And I didn't love the call. I thought the pass interference call was a tr- like feet tangled. But then when you ran the play back a few times and you could see the back judge was really the only guy who could see what in fact happened with the big Jersey grab. And that's why the guy kind of lost his footing. And then maybe there was uh, tangled feet. I thought it was a good call, right call uh, in full time. And even the first two replays, I didn't like, I was like, oh, that's not a great call. And then uh, it took that third replay when you saw the huge Jersey extension uh, as far as the grab and restriction went, I thought it was a good call. So uh, that's kind of how the game ended. Pack uh, the Buccaneers threw the ball, knowing they had to get a first down, uh, and uh, that's ended up that how it how it ended up. The Bucks then ran out the clock, and uh, Tom Brady advances to his tenth Super Bowl. You know what's crazy is uh, <laughs> so there's been 54 Super Bowls. Let's let's round down and call it 50. Tom Brady has played in 20 percent. <laughs> Of the Super Bowls that have that have ever been played, he's gonna be in. T- I'll even do the math on it just just so that we're official. Tom Brady has played in eighteen point five percent of of all Super Bowls that have been played. His tenth Super Bowl that that's unbelievable. Um, if if he loses, he he'll be six and four, and people are like, oh, that's that's almost five hundred, yeah. But no one's even close. I mean, to. <laughs> <laughs> to lose the Super Bowl four times and still have six rings is pretty remarkable. And he he might get his seventh. He really might. That team looked good. Congrats to the Buccaneers. I think uh, there was a lot of people doubting whether Tom Brady could win in the a- NFC, if whether he could take a team uh, like the Bucs, join a new team, and automatically at his age, uh, you know, w- get to another Super Bowl. I, I don't think it surprised Everyone, I think there there were people out there that thought he could do it, that thought he could get there. I just think the rate at which he was able to get there uh, this first year with a new coach, a new city, and everything is pretty remarkable. He's he's one of the greatest athletes to ever play, um, and I just you can't say enough about Brady. I, I he he continues to do it, man. Love him or hate him, he's back. He's back again. His tenth Super Bowl appearance. First one with a new team, and he's going to get to play it on his home field this season. Going to get to stay at home in his nice, uh, his nice Tampa Bay home. It's it's hilarious. The Packers had to win three. I said it again. The Buccaneers had to win three away games to get to a Super Bowl, and now they get to play it at home. Really funny. Uh, and as far as the Packers go, you know, another tough playoff loss for Aaron Rodgers. It's not all on him. I mean, he played pretty well, but you know how things go we always look at the quarterback like, you know, the wins are on them and the losses are on them. People, Matt LaFleur is getting a lot of heat for his uh, late game decision to, to kick the field goal. I thought it was the right decision in having all your timeouts because then Aaron Rodgers gets the ball again with a chance to win it. If you can get a stop, which you should have, but you couldn't stop the run. And then you had a, a foolish penalty on third down. So they still had a chance to get the ball back. I don't think... You crucify Matt LaFleur like some people in the media are doing. 
because there was more to that situation than meets the eye. And then all, and then all the other late game things you saw, uh, obviously, obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> you, all the other things you saw made you realize, okay, there was a lot that went into, uh, this thought process, not just, Oh, go, go get three points while we're down by eight. Anyway, congrats to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. On the AFC side of things, those fighting Buffalo bills, man, they look good. Didn't they getting out to a nine, nothing lead? Uh, first of all, if you're going to pull an upset, you can't be missing extra points. Uh, <laughs> you can't miss an extra point as you're trying to pull a big upset. It's almost like as soon as that extra point was missed, uh, you know, Buffalo could have taken a double digit lead, right? A 10 nothing lead on the, uh, the Chiefs. Uh, that the Chiefs were like, okay, okay, we're fine. We'll be all right. And they woke up and uh, really got after it. Josh Allen played well. Uh, in, in his, uh, well, I, I don't know if he played well, he had 20 incompletion incompletions, um, you know, didn't, didn't throw for a heck of a lot of yards, uh, a couple touchdowns. One was late. Uh, the cheat one thing, Josh Allen, he, he can't just take a sack. He's always got to like turn it into a 15 yard loss. And, and that's because he's used to scrambling out of situations too. He makes some amazing plays, but man, he just couldn't, he just couldn't, uh, I don't know. What, what, what would you say? Just sometimes you gotta, you gotta take what you can get. You know, if, 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 if uh, you're going to be sacked, just say hey, it is what it is. Um, anyway, really balanced attack from Kansas city. You know, of course, Patrick Mahomes is amazing over 300 yards, three touchdowns. Um, they could not get Buffalo could not get pressure on him. Uh, Kansas city also ran the ball effectively uh, with kind of two guys doing the bulk of the work. 100 plus yards rushing. Uh, Kansas City really turns it on and uh, didn't look back. This game was uh, a lot more, I'll say, a lot further apart than probably the the end result, even though it ended up being a, a 14 point win for the Chiefs. Uh, being up 31 15, really, most of the, what was it, the second half? Let's see, it was 21. 21-12 at halftime, and you're thinking, okay, maybe the Bills, I don't know. But then when it ended up being a 31-15 after three quarters, you're thinking, okay, the Bills aren't going to – they're not going to come back from 16 down. They're not going to – I don't see that happening, right? Um, and they they fought till the end. They got that onside kick right late uh, when they got it to within 14 points. But when uh, the Chiefs did uh, make it 38-15, when, when they got that last touchdown – I think they knew and everybody knew, hey, they're going back to the Super Bowl. And you saw the emotion from Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Travis Kelsey was unbelievable. How many yards did he have? Let's look that up. Travis Kelsey seemed to be – every other play was going to him. And and it could have been running routes. It could have been um, uh, shovel passes. I mean, these these great play designs by Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs. Uh, man, they're, I don't understand how you <laughs> – he defends some of this stuff. I mean, here it is right here. Travis Kelsey had 113 catches. That's a lot. That is a lot of catches. 118 yards, two touchdowns, and he wasn't even the leading receiver. Tyreek Hill had 172 yards. He got loose a couple times. That 171-yard play he had uh, was the bulk of his uh, his receiving yards. And then he had 100 more yards after that. So nine catches for Hill, 13 for Kelsey. I mean, that was just unbelievable. Uh, what is that? 21 of the 29 completions went to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. 
and uh, the bulk of the yardage as well. So unbelievable. Kelsey, it seemed like he, every other play he was catching a ball. And then Tyreek Hill uh, breaking loose. The Chiefs are scary, man. They're still scary and uh, still unbelievable. Um, kind of not as exciting of a game, I'll say, as the NFC game because the NFC game kind of went down to the wire. This game was just kind of, eh, whatever. The Bills are hanging in there. Okay, now they're now they're trailing by three scores, now two scores. Like It wasn't as exciting as I think uh, the first game was. Josh Allen will be back. The Bills will be back. Uh, but the scary thing is that the AFC, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to run that conference for quite some time. But you look at the other quarterbacks in the AFC. You look at the other up-and-coming teams. That's that's tough. You can say Buffalo will be will be back and Josh Allen, he'll make a run, you know, and, and this and that. But you don't know. That's the point is you don't know. Uh, I think... Buffalo will probably run that division for quite some time. So they'll be in the playoffs regularly. But as far as being this close to a Super Bowl again, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I have faith in their coach. Josh Allen uh, is, a, is a little, like I, I've said, I said reckless kind of all season. He just, I don't know. He worries me. He's a great athlete. He he, he knows how to make plays. Uh, very strong arm. But every now and then, man, he is just, he's out there. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, Buffalo, I feel bad for you. Feel bad for you, Bills Mafia. You were so close, but uh, you know, until that guy Patrick Mahomes is is not on the other side of the ball, I think uh, he owns the AFC, and uh, he's also got a great coach in Andy Reid. Uh, again, the enemy, the coordinator. That entire team is just scary. And I, I said going in that I thought the Chiefs would score forty points. Uh, I told my brother that, um, but. Uh, 38, man, that's that's a scary number. Any, anytime you start to get into those high 30s, uh, that really speaks volumes of your offense. So uh, the Bills, probably a year away from really uh, putting it all together, but they had a remarkable season, 13-3, and three, nothing to be ashamed of. I know it gave a, a lot of people hope there in the state of Buffalo. State of Buffalo, look at me. You see how, how early it is? Uh, that's one of my classic uh, slips. Todd Carson makes fun of me for that all the time. Uh, not the state of Buffalo. Uh, I meant to say upstate New York. Uh, and the fans up there in the city of Buffalo, uh, th- they'll be back. I'm just not sure if they can or will ever be able to get over the hump of beating the Kansas city chiefs. I know it's only one matchup one year, um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens down the road uh, as Josh Allen continues to develop. And maybe the, the Buffalo uh, bills build a little bit more around their defense, get get a running game. I think that will definitely contribute to them uh, being a lot more successful to the Kansas City Chiefs advancing to their second consecutive Super Bowl. They are the defending champions. Uh, It's Mahomes versus Brady. It's the greatest of all time against the future of the league, the the future face of the NFL of probably when it's all said and done. I don't know if Mahomes will get six Super Bowls or or not, but he is definitely uh, the, the future and the present, really. I mean, Brady's you know, Brady's the greatest of all time. He, he's definitely at the end of his career, but I think he wants another Super Bowl or two before he uh, rides off into the sunset, wherever that is. So a very intriguing Super Bowl matchup. We have two weeks to wait for it. Kind of a bummer that uh, we have to wait that long. And there's only one football game left, but it will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, pretty funny that the best team in the NFL uh, record-wise 14 and two on the regular season, Kansas city chiefs have to uh, play a super bowl on the road. I mean, everyone plays on the road in the super bowl, but the fact that they have to play a team that is 
uh, gets to host the game on their own field is uh, is pretty funny. The, the little ironies, right, of life and people rolling their eyes saying, oh, Brady catches another break, whatever. Um, who knows? Maybe he mapped this out a long time ago saying, oh, I want to play for the Bucks in 2021. And that's Super Bowl. Anyway, great Super Bowl matchup. I can't wait. Uh, Brady versus Mahomes. They played once this season already, and the Chiefs were victorious. Uh, it should be an exciting time, and I cannot wait. Two weeks uh, from yesterday, uh, 13 days and counting from where we sit at right now until Super Bowl 54. It's going to be a great one, uh, but you got two weeks to, uh, to, to, to build up and wait for it, and we'll have plenty to say about that in the coming weeks. Well, that will do it for today's episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. I am just about out of coffee. i got to make some more before I head off to record with Bill Barnes today. That will be uh, our, our episode uh, for our Wednesday, weekly Wednesday weigh-in appearance with Bill Barnes. We're going to record in person today. So i got to get out of here, get out of the house, and head over to Bill's. Take, take the gear with me and get on the road to record with Bill and then get to work. It's a rather busy uh, start to my week to my week is here on Monday morning. Thanks for joining me and uh, listening as I got an episode out kind of later in the morning than I wanted. But hey, that's how life goes sometimes. Uh, kind of sad there's only one football game left. I can't believe uh, it'll be in two weeks. It'll be a great matchup between the Bucks and the Chiefs. Uh, but until then, we'll just have to talk about uh, random stuff, random events, maybe some hockey, maybe some other sports uh, that we will chat about on Mondays in leading up to the Super Bowl. And we will definitely make our predictions next Monday uh, on our Sports Monday segment that we do every single week. And I, hopefully I should be joined by my brother next time after he's been off for almost a month now, if not coming on the podcast and chatting with me. So we'll talk about uh, the current state of sports, I think, uh, next week, as well as uh, give some uh, predictions and, and look at really the Super Bowl matchup in depth and uh, overanalyze it as I'm sure most everyone will be doing now for the next two weeks. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Bill Barnes is here Wednesday. I will be recording with him later today, so we'll get that episode out for you bright and early on Wednesday for those early risers. And uh, should be a lot of fun things to talk about as the Biden administration is, uh, is you know, is off off and running we'll say uh so there'll be plenty to chat about with bill uh also some other current events maybe some sports topics and i'm sure he'll have a few things some ideas that he'll want to discuss and throw out there as well so i uh, gotta get over to bill uh, and record with him so that we can get that episode out on time uh friday we have another great guest lined up i hope you guys listened to last friday's uh, episode with vic winnick i know it was a long one but uh really a lot of fun chatting with vic and uh, i already have a few uh, guests lined up for our future Friday episodes. As as you know, we like to bring on a guest on Fridays and have a really long form interview, whether it be uh, a sports official, a baseball umpire, uh, maybe someone from Rio Hondo Prep. We try to uh, mix and match some people and uh, we got some good ones lined up for you. I can promise you that I will be doing some recordings this week to get those ready for you guys for the next couple of weeks. And I think you guys who are loyal listeners, uh, you're going to really enjoy them. I, I, I really do believe that. I say that about every guest because I enjoy talking to these people uh, and I hope you guys enjoy listening to these people as well. But some great guests ahead, some great, uh, exciting uh, comments and or not comments, but some exciting uh things ahead for the get home safe podcast as as always here right we're always looking ahead and, and looking 
for some uh, bigger and uh, better uh, conversations and episodes. And uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great uh, 2021 at least on the podcast side of things, I can tell you that. <laughs> anyway, guys, as always, there's plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. Send us an email, write us a message. We'd love to hear from you, just like you hear from us Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on the Get Home Safe podcast give us some content suggestions vent about your sports teams uh tell bill barnes he's dead wrong whatever you want to do uh get get that stuff in we love hearing from our fans guys so seriously send us in uh, whatever you like it uh, really uh keeps us going keeps me motivated to keep this thing going and uh yeah just a lot of fun putting out episodes weekly all right guys monday morning is uh done for me it's time to move on to the next show the next job a lot of things ahead can't wait to get things rolling so guys have a great week i know uh mondays aren't always fun but we appreciate you starting your week with us uh if you listen today or you know even tuesday or whenever down the road but anyway guys that's enough for me i've rambled enough guys no matter what you're doing whether you're out on the town or rounded third base get home safe 